Isn't the sunshine beautiful today? What a lovely sunny day we have to worship the Lord today. <laughs> oh, you are a hearty people. And you must love God a lot. That's a good combination in the house of the Lord on the, on the Lord's day. So, praise God. I want to start a series today that will take place over the next six weeks or so on the title of it is, I Need an Answer to Prayer. How many of you find yourself this morning in a place where you need an answer to prayer? You need an answer to prayer. I've got both of my hands up uh, because I have multiple prayers that I need an answer for. Um, as we begin to launch this, I thought it was appropriate that we would do this as we launch our, our week of prayer and uh, as Pastor Mark said a while ago, each evening we're going to be focusing on a little something different, but there'll be a time for us to, uh, to have some prayer together. We as a, as a body of believers have much to seek God for, and uh, we live in uncertain times. I was, I was shocked yesterday to find out that an alert was sent to Hawaii that there was a a ballistic missile that had been launched and that they had 20 minutes. And I begin to think in my mind about what my reaction would be because, frankly, most of these people thought they had less than a half an hour to live. As they were interviewing people after the threat had passed and, and discovered that it was a, a false alarm, um, I found it fascinating the number of people that may not give God the time of day in their regular life, but faced with the idea that they may be living in their last half hour, suddenly prayer became important. That in the final moments when there's nothing else you can do, suddenly God became important. I, I told Cindy, I said, I, I wonder how many people received Christ sitting in their bathtub with a mattress over their head, thinking that that might just might somehow help them survive nuclear fallout. Um, but that's the day and age in which we live. I'm sure that there were a lot of people praying, said, I need an answer to prayer. And you can pray really, really fervently in moments like that. But I want to ask you a question this morning. For those of you that are like me and you're coffee drinkers, if you had the opportunity to sit down at a table and you and Jesus were having a cup of coffee because Jesus likes coffee. Just, it's an Israeli blend, he really. Yeah. You're having a cup of coffee together and he asks you this question. What prayer do you want answered? What prayer do you want answered? How would you respond? Knowing that in that setting and in that situation, the way that you respond could be the moment of the biggest breakthrough in your life. On this series that I need an answer to prayer, today we're going to be talking about the prayer for direction. A prayer for direction. Over the, the next weeks to come, we'll be praying, not only uh, teaching you to pray for direction today, forgiveness healing. The, the final Sunday in January, traditionally we have set that aside at the end of a month of prayer for a healing service and we will be having that again in the final Sunday in January. Freedom, praying for deliverance and provision, blessing and salvation. But today we're going to focus on any direction. Over the years I've had some rather interesting questions asked of me by people. 
uh, as it relates to prayer, you know, some of them were quite often they will ask, is it unspiritual for me to ask God to help me get out of debt or to ask God to help me make more money so that I can provide? On occasion, some have quietly inquired, couples that have come and, and, and quietly inquired, is it right for us to pray for a more dynamic and meaningful intimate life within our marriage? Would it be wrong for us to pray that God would, would, would send energy into our married life? I've had teenagers ask if it was okay to ask God that he would, that he would bless their athletic ability as they were doing something of that nature. And, and while these prayers may seem unimportant to some, to those who are searching for answers, they are very important. And I would state to you today that I don't believe that there's a conversation that God doesn't want to have with you. If something is important to you, then I believe that it's important to Him and that He desires to hear your heart and your prayers when you're genuine and your desire is sincere. And, and the, in truth, I believe that this series is going to help us put some things into practice into our everyday lives that will give God permission and an avenue by which He can lead us into some deeper truths and, and that we'll begin to see a little bit more of the power of prayer and that through this we will... Uh, begin to put into practice a faith that will remove obstacles that have kept you in bondage in some areas in your life and that this can be a year where you see God break through in some brand new ways. And so are you ready to start this journey? In your bulletin this morning there is uh, an outline and there's also an insert of some prayers uh, that we are going to be going through this morning that can be prayers that will help us start to learn how to pray in some of these areas. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Psalm chapter 37. There's a couple of verses in there that I would like us to use kind of as a launching point this morning. Psalm 37 verse 4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. And then when you get to verse 23, and I've asked, that, I've asked that this verse be put up in the New Living Translation because I like the way it states it. Uh, Psalm 37, 23 says, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of your lives. I want you to focus on that for a moment. He delights in every detail of your lives. We sometimes can get to the point where we things we have things in our lives that we would classify as big enough that God would want to pay attention to and other things in our lives that are so insignificant that we believe God doesn't care about. Scripture right off the bat indicates to us that God is so in, inclined to our lives that there is not a single detail of our lives that he is unconcerned with, which as we begin to look at it in terms of what should we pray about, I don't believe that there's anything that God is not concerned about that we take to him in prayer. Now, I'm not saying that we should get up in the morning and ask him what color socks we should wear because there's some things that he's just given us common sense to do. But he is concerned about the details of our life. And so whether you seek God's guidance during the most critical moments of your life or you feel stuck in a rut, 
I believe that the word of God is always going to help us move in a place where God can lead us in some new direction. The first thing that I want to approach with you this morning is biblical examples of of how God answered prayer for direction in the scripture. Uh, The Bible refers to God's direction for those who seek it more than 25 times in both the Old Testament and the New Testament. And I want to list just a few of the verses to help you understand the way God responds to those who seek Him. In Exodus chapter 13, verse 21, the Scripture says, By day the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. In Judges chapter 20, verse 23, The Israelites went up and wept before the Lord until evening, and they inquired of the Lord. They said, Shall we go up to battle against the Benjamites, our brother? The Lord answered, Go up against them. In 1 Samuel chapter 23, verses 1 and 2, When David was told, Look, the Philistines are fighting against Keilah, and they are looting the threshing floors, he inquired of the Lord, saying, Shall I go and attack these Philistines? And the Lord answered him, Go and attack the Philistines and save Keilah. Other examples are found in 1 Samuel chapter 30 and 2 Chronicles chapter 26. And you can read about these as as people were inquiring, Lord, we need your direction. And God specifically spoke and gave it. (coughs) Excuse me. In John chapter 16 verse 13, the scripture says, When he, the spirit of truth, comes... He will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but he will speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is yet to come. The one thing that I want you to know today is, aren't you glad we serve a God that knows what is yet to come and can give us the guidance that we need and is concerned about every detail of our lives? We have a God that wants to answer prayer, that wants to give direction, and desires to lead us where he would have us to go. As we look at praying and we understand that we know that we need to pray in faith, we need to pray believing, and that that is a prerequisite for God to answer our prayers, but I want you to to understand that it doesn't require that you have a perfect theology or that you have a perfect understanding of all of the scriptures before God will answer your prayer. Because the Bible gives us a number of examples of people who had misconceptions or erroneous ideas, but God nonetheless chose to bless them and heal them and even answer their prayers. And you can discover that in Mark chapter 9 and Luke chapter 9. Does it require that we have a perfect sense of holiness in order for God to answer our prayers? Probably not. Otherwise, David would have had a really, really difficult time with God. David was not perfect in any way. In fact, he spilled innocent blood. He lied to save his own neck, did a number of things. And in spite of his action, God blessed him and answered his prayers. And so what we begin to see from Scripture is the one thing that we need when we're approaching God, asking for direction, asking for answered prayers, we need a sincere heart. We need a genuine heart that God sees and knows that we need Him and are pursuing Him, and He responds to that. God orders the steps of a righteous person and will guide your steps as you ask Him to either open doors or shut doors so that He can lead you to the place where He wants you to be. Secondly, 
I believe that there are five areas of your life where praying for direction can transform your life. How many of you have ever been in a station in life or a place in life where you ask God, what in the world am I doing with myself? What, what, what am I doing with my life? Any of you ever asked that question? A few of you. Good, me too. Sometimes we even know what he's doing and we still ask him because we want to remind him that it's on our mind, so I hope it's on his mind. Many times we can become irritated when we don't see that we're heading a direction that we think we ought to go or even that we're heading on a straight line direction that we feel God wanting us to go, but he allows detours for some reason. And we're saying, I just, I just want to remind you, God, I thought I heard from you that this is the direction to go. It's, it's hard to get there if you're leading me here. And sometimes we have those moments where we feel like we're going in circles or we're living just in a survival mode or just existing from one day to the next. And in those times, if we are open to God and open to his leading, he will begin to show us and lead us in the places that he wants us to go. So one of the things that he can do is redirect us because God will give you directions for your life if you ask him for it. Can you imagine being 75 years old, feeling restless? I didn't want to stop there because... <clears throat> Some of you are going, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> You're feeling restless because your life has not turned out the way you envisioned. You tried to have kids but were unsuccessful. You had planned to move to a wonderful place for retirement, but because of circumstances that seemed beyond your control at this age of your life, you seem to be 500 miles short of where you wanted to go. This is not a fictional story because this is the story of Abraham's life. He, he probably felt frustrated from time to time. And when Abraham sought God's direction, here's how the Lord responded, and I love this part. It's found in Genesis chapter 12, verses, verses 1 through 3. And he's asking God, I need direction in life. And the Lord says to him, leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great and you will be a blessing and I will bless those that bless you and whoever curses you I will curse and all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. And so Abraham sets out as the Lord had directed him and has a new lease on life and God guided him every step of the way. What I want you to be encouraged about today is that God does not want you to be living in confusion as it relates to what he wants the direction to be of your life. I speak to college students and high school students, and they're always asking me, can you just pray with me that God would show me what he wants to do with my life? One of the things I've discovered is if you're pursuing the heart of God, he will naturally guide you in the places that he wants you to be. Sometimes we're wanting a 25-year plan, and God says, I'm really more concerned about the next 25 minutes. If you'll just obey the next step, it will put you in a place where then the next step will be natural. But if you don't listen to me on this one, then it's going to be a long process to get you back. So... There's this moment-by-moment -moment direction that God provides to us as we begin to seek him for direction. And there's a prayer for direction that I would like you to take a look at, and they are listed for you there. And, and this might just help you as you're beginning to learn to pray for some of these things, and it might just give you some ideas as you start. But the prayer would say, God, I ask you to give me clear direction and guidance for my life and in my current circumstances. Sometimes I feel disillusioned and disappointed. Show me your path. 
that will lead and bring blessing to my life and my family and my other relationships. I believe you have a specific purpose and destiny for me. Help me to identify it and give me the strength to walk in harmony with your divine will. Give me the eyes to see your direction clearly without any distraction or confusion. And I ask this in Christ's name. Amen. What about directions for relationships? Wouldn't you like to know which relationships are truly worth your time and investment? How many people make friends with individuals who who have no sense of commitment to a relationship or, or no sense of faithfulness to a relationship and they, they look back on it and it became so destructive to them they go, Lord, I just wish you had told me ahead of time the relationships and how it would affect me or how it would benefit me. Or how many people have friends, and I use that term in parentheses, friends that somehow bring out the worst in you. You're around them, and for whatever reason, something about the character and their nature brings out uh, things in you that you wish God would remove from you. How many women have become disillusioned over a relationship that goes nowhere or holds on to a guy that has never truly grown up and become a man of responsibility? How many people have invested themselves in others thinking that perhaps there'll be something beneficial from this only to discover that there was never anything there that would be of value to you how many business people in the world started out with somebody thinking hey this is a good-hearted person only to discover later on that though they didn't have a relationship with God they were a good person only to find out later on that they were a cheat or embezzled or thought of only themselves I believe that all of these things are questions that we can ask God in direction as it relates to our relationships I believe that we should ask God, would you steer me toward people whose relationship with me will be beneficial to them and to me? That we can begin to elevate one another and encourage one another. One of the closest friendships that I have in my life is a, with a friend of mine named Pat Hilke, who's a pastor in Buffalo. You've heard about me talk about him before. Our relationship started at a time when both of us really needed it, and it was rather unusual and awkward because we were both uh, being interviewed for the same job. And out of that, what could have been awkward, God began to mold together, and 22 years later, we talk about uh, how God's benefited each of our lives through this many, many times and how it was a gift of God. I thank God for Pat Hilke and the the ministry that he has in my life and I have in his and that influence, but it was a God-directed and designed friendship. I believe that's okay for us to pray for. Have any of you ever been lonely and said, I wish I had a friend? God's concerned about that. Have you also noticed that there are some friends that come into your life and they they are a strong friendship for a season? And then there's other friendships that are strong for a lifetime. I believe God is designing both of those things. And so when you ask God to lead you in regard to the relationships in your life, whether they're professional relationships or casual or perhaps even romantic, he will give you the insight that you need because he does not want you to be in confusion. So don't be afraid to ask for that direction. If you are a relatively new follower of Jesus, you might have already discovered that some of your old friends don't share your new spiritual convictions. As a result of that, it may be time for you to ask God, would you please bring into my life 
new friendships that will begin to nurture what you are doing in my life and so that those some of the old friendships I can put into the category of being acquaintances but not influencers within my life. And then God give me the discernment to know the difference. And there's a prayer that perhaps you could use as a launching point to pray for that. And Lord, help me to become a good and godly friend to those in my life. Help me to identify and cultivate the godly friendships that will pick me up instead of tear me down. Guide me to find friends who will bring out the best in me and encourage me to grow closer to you. Give me strength to move away from the relationships that are not fruitful and closer to the ones that are. I ask you to guide all my personal and professional relationships, and I ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. What about guidance for your finances? I did a little research, and I discovered that today there are almost 6 million credit cards in circulation in the U.S. Americans carry $90 billion of credit card debt. In fact, I read last night that if that credit card debt could be divided equally and distributed to every family in the U.S., every family would be carrying $8,500 worth of credit card debt. The annual credit card default rate is approaching 12% of people that will be unable to pay their bills. As I start this series, and I am going to be focusing one of the messages on praying for provision, but as I start this, I'm, I, I feel compelled to urge you to seek God for direction as it relates to your finances. This should not be an area that we would exclude God's help in. Cindy and I have been in ministry all of our adult life, and we realized early on that praying for God's direction is a starting point as it relates to what he desires to do in the finances of each of our life. Here's what I want you to know. God never leads anyone into financial ruin. God never leads anyone into financial ruin. He never leads people into more debt than they should take on. If you find yourself in that place today, then you need to begin to seek God about how he can lead you out. We had a young missionary couple that financed their wedding. They financed their honeymoon. They financed their furniture because both of them have, had jobs. They justified that they would be able to handle the debt on all of those expenditures. And they realized four months into their married life that not only were they not hitting their financial goals, but that they were barely able to make the minimum payments on all of their new things. Two years into their marriage, they felt God calling them that he wanted them to become missionaries, and so they applied with the Assemblies of God, and one of the processes is that they sit down with people, and those that are in overwhelming debt are not allowed to follow the call of God because it's a disqualifier to them. So they were told, you have way too much debt for us to be able to approve you to become missionaries. And so they begin to pray and they ask God, Lord, we feel that this is the direction that you want us to go. We, we know the hole that we have dug ourselves in, so would you guide us and direct us to get out of debt? Now they will tell you that what they hoped God would do would send somebody to come along with this enormously thick envelope that was loaded with cash or a winning lottery ticket 
And God would say, I have answered your prayer, and here's everything that you need. God did answer their prayer, but it was quite different than what they had expected. God spoke very clearly to them and said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to sell all of your new furniture. I want you to move out of your new apartment. I want you to move into a trailer, and I want you to buy all of your replacement furniture at garage sales. The Lord told them that if they wanted to get their financial house in order, they would have to make wise choices, and he would guide them in that. They said it was extremely painful for about two months. But they obeyed. And within one year, they were able to drop from being $23,000 in debt to being just a little over $2,000 in debt. When they sat before the committee, they told the missions committee what we learned from this was that not only was God guiding us in financial decisions, but he was also guiding us in spiritual decisions as to how to relate to money. If you have come to a point where you recognize the need for God's guidance regarding your finances, I believe that he will graciously impart it to you in his infinite wisdom and insight, and he will answer your prayer if you will be sincere, but it may cause you to learn spiritual lessons while he works through that with you. And if that is your need today, then here's a prayer that may help as you start that journey. Lord, I realize that money is not everything, but it is necessary for the things I need. I want to trust, I want you to trust me financially. Show me what I must do to become a great steward. Guide my steps so that my family and I can walk in your blessings and provision. Help me to resist all of the temptations that keep me from moving forward, and I ask you to lead me in all of my financial decisions. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. I believe also that God will give us direction toward health. Now, I, I want to add this disclaimer. I may or may not be a hypocrite as I preach this particular part. Just wanted to throw that out there because I want you to know that God is still working on me in areas of discipline as it relates to our health. The need for healing is probably the most prolific prayer request that we receive. People that find they need a touch of God. I want you to know that I am thankful for the medical breakthroughs that we have seen today. I had an opportunity a couple of times this week to be in the hospital to pray with people before they were going in for surgery. And in both of those instances, it had the surgical team, or at least part of it, that, that was there with us and was able to thank God for them. I'm glad that God gives great medical minds to people because I believe that that's an answer to prayer in many cases, the way that God uses them. I, I ask God to anoint their skills. I also ask God to anoint the medicine so that it could be effective. We live in a day and age where so much more can be done than some of our predecessors. However, I also want you to understand that there are also times I've sat there when the doctors have come in and looked at the individuals and said, we're sorry, we have done all we know to do. It's in those moments that I'm glad that the great physician sits on the throne who says that I will lead and guide. I know how to do things that other people don't know. He gives us wisdom in how we handle our food intake and exercise. That's where I'm a hypocrite. I'm just being honest with you. 
But as we pray and say, Lord Jesus, I need you to give me some direction in how I can live a more healthy life, perhaps you might pray like this. Lord, my body is not responding the way I had hoped, but I recognize that you were the author and finisher of life. You knew me before I was born, and you formed every molecule of my genetic code. I ask you to heal me or guide me to the best solution. I hold on to your promise that says you work all things together for good. I receive your healing, your guidance, and your plan for my body. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And then we can pray for God's direction for your family. If your family is not heading in the direction that you had hoped it would be, if you find that there's dysfunction there and the ability to communicate and, and perhaps you as parents have children that seem to be interested in things that are not leading them to a closer relationship with God, I know that sometimes prayer might seem insignificant. I know that it might be that when you, you talk to those who are in spiritual authority over you and, and, and our encouragement to you is we are praying with you, it might seem as if that's such a small thing, but I want you to understand this. Prayer is huge. It's huge. It's not a cop-out to pray for your family, to ask God to, to redirect. And here's why. We know that there's only a certain amount that anybody may hear from a human being, especially when they start telling us things we don't want to hear. However, you cannot run from the Holy Spirit. You cannot run from the still small voice that continues to press from the inside out. There are some of you today that are sitting here because somebody wouldn't give up in prayer for you. And God began to work things out and draw you to himself. So don't ever give up asking God for direction for your family or praying for direction for your family. Pray for his direction. Pray for his guidance. If you long to see your family move forward and move out of a survival mode into a place where it can thrive, then begin to ask God to guide you, and he will. And here's a prayer that may help as you start on that path. Lord, my family needs your help. We need your direction and guidance. I ask to help me pass on your blessings to the generations that follow. Help us serve you and become a family that walks in your provision and protection. Help us to lay aside our pride and eliminate competition so that we can experience your healing. Break the chains of generational dysfunction and set us free. I ask this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. Some things that God gives guidance and direction in. And then lastly, finding direction from God when you are uncertain. I was reading the story of a real estate agent who had spent almost on a daily basis for six months with a couple that was looking for a house. He said, they were the most particular people I've ever met. He said, I was beginning to grow irritated because every time I would meet everything on their list, they would find something else. And he said, after six months, we finally narrowed it down to two houses. He said, the wife called at the end of those six months and said, I need you to take me back to both houses. I just need to spend time in them because I need to know which one to choose. And so he took another morning, met her at the house, and the first house she went through, he said, I'm sitting downstairs, and she's just walking through the house. And just walking. I'm thinking, what is she doing? She's seen this house a million times. And after spending about an hour in that house and going in all the bedrooms, she came out and she goes, okay, let's go to the other house. 
So they went to the other house, and he said, again, there's no furniture. I'm sitting on the floor just wondering what she's doing, and she's wandering around the house. And he said, after about 20 minutes there, she came down. She goes, okay, we're taking the other house. And he goes, at the risk of upsetting you, what was it about this house that made you choose the other one? She goes, I have been walking through asking God to give me a sign. I need a sign. She says, and as I was praying, I discovered that we are... There was an airplane that came right over a big jet, and we, we're in the flight path of the airport, and so I'm choosing the other house. I, I, I read that story, and I laughed, and I thought, because isn't that the way we are? We're always looking for a sign. We're always looking for a sign. It started way back with Moses in the Old Testament. He was always asking God for a sign. God said, you're going to do all these things, and he's going, okay, give me a sign. Give me a sign. And as if the burning bush wasn't enough or the staff that became a snake wasn't enough or tree branches that cleaned up polluted water wasn't enough or pillars of fire leading a crowd by night wasn't enough or clouds leading them by day wasn't enough or manna happened to fall out of heaven feeding them each morning wasn't enough. Gets, after all of that, God begins to outline what he wants him to do and so Moses said, I, I just need some further clarification. And so in Exodus chapter 33 in Verses 12 and 13, here's, here's what Moses said. Look, you have told me to lead this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name and that you have also found favor in my sight. And if you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. And then he finishes that prayer off with this. Remember, this nation is your people. your people now in this in the living bible the term when he said teach me your ways is guide me clearly along the way I love those words other translations say teach me your ways or let me know thy ways or show me now thy way I like that one too because that's kind of a me thing show me now your way but all along the way Moses is simply saying give me a sign I appreciate the signs in the past I need a new one today and interestingly, God never did just write out in clouds for Moses what he should do. He never laid the blueprint down for him, never gave him a text or a tweet or an email, but he did something better. He did something better. I read a story in a youth, in a youth pastor's idea book some time ago, and as I read it, I started laughing because I think this, what I'm about to tell you is something Pastor Mark would do. There was a youth pastor that set up in the fellowship hall of their church a maze made of cardboard boxes and was teaching the students about the direction of the Lord and there was only one way to get into this maze and there was only one way to get out. And it just happened to end that their fellowship hall was in an upstairs room and he had a slide at a window and when you got to the end you hit the slide and you slid out of the window. That sounds exactly like something that you would do. And he watched these kids as they the really adventurous ones jumped in and took off and started running through and are running in the walls and bouncing around. And then there was others that were a little more cautious that, you know, kind of stick their head through just in case Pastor Mark's somewhere where he wants to scare them. And, you know, they're working through that way. And then there were others, the really timid ones were standing there. And after the really adventurous ones had, had made it all the way through and they're running back to go again, the really timid ones are sitting there. And, and finally, they begin to say, well, you've already been through this, but, you know, would you go through it with me? Would you go through it with me? 
because deep in their hearts they wanted a guide more than guidance. And doesn't that just sound like the way we approach life? Some of us are ambitious, others are timid, some are skeptical. We all want to finish the course, but we want somebody to show us the way. And so when we get to the 14th verse of chapter 33 there, God begins to say to Moses, listen, I've done all these signs in the past, but I'm going to give you something better this time. Because he says, this time my presence is going to go with you. In other words, you don't need a sign because you got me. I'm going on the journey with you. So for those of you who are students maybe at SU or what would you rather have on your first day on a brand new campus? Somebody come up and hand you a map or somebody to say, I've been here for four years. Let me take you around and show you where everything is. What if you're new in the community? Would you rather have somebody say, hey, yeah, and you just go down here four blocks, make a left, and, or would they say, you know what, I got some time. Jump in the car. Let me show you around our new community. You see, signs are temporary, but a relationship is permanent. Signs can be misinterpreted, misread, or not seen at all. God wants to lead us every step of our journey, not just in the biggies, but he does his best to allow us to walk with him and be in relationship with him. And because he's walking with him, his guidance is always there. And he leads us in the direction that he wants us to go because he's going there too. And if you want to know God's will, then get to know God better. Because guidance, his guidance hinges on relationship. It hinges on relationship. If we seek the guide... More than we seek the guidance, we get the guidance with him in relationship. And so he tells Moses, my presence, my presence will go with you. There's an old hymn, some of you know it. It's from the old hymn I, in the garden when he says, and he walks with me, and he talks with me, and he tells me that I'm his own. And the joy that we share as we tarry there none other has ever known. And so regardless of our circumstances or condition, God is with us. Situations of our life will change. Circumstances may be confusing, but God said he's still with us, and the benefit of knowing him is he guides us through all of life. In the seat pocket in front of you, there is a sheet of paper that says, I need an answer to prayer. And I'm going to ask that you reach forward and take that out. And if there's not enough there, because some of you may have multiple requests that you're going to be writing in just a moment, then we'll have some ushers that'll have some others available and may even put some up here. But I don't think that there's anybody here that can say, I don't, I don't have anything in my life that I need an answer to prayer for because I believe God leads us in such a way where our dependence on Him is constant. And so I'm going to ask that you would take that, and in just a moment, we're going to put some music on for a couple of minutes, and I want you just to write out on this what you need God to do for you. It could be big, it could be small. If you want to put your name on it, you can, because we're going to be praying for these all week. If you don't want to, if you want it just to be an unspoken request, then you can write out your need and, and not sign your name to it. We still will be praying for it. I find it more helpful when I see names attached to the needs I'm praying. It gives me a little insight into your life and ways that I can continue to pray for you, but I don't want you to feel any pressure about that. But I'm going to ask that you would just take a couple of minutes as we start our week of prayer and just write down 
What do you need God to do to answer your prayer? Go ahead. Please.